Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much this morning, and I thank you for your presence. I thank you as we gather all over the place, in our homes, um, all over Cincinnati and maybe beyond, Lord. I just pray that, that we would praise you today. Lord, my prayer is that each person, whether you're wa they're watching it on a screen or whether they're you know, here as a part of this, Lord, I pray that we would experience your love, your power, your holiness today. It's the Lord, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you for this Palm Sunday. And I pray that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, before we jump into God's word, I, I just, I've, I'm so excited about what's to come. This is Palm Sunday, which is kind of the beginning of Holy Week that leads us to Easter. Uh, this is the biggest week in the church calendar, and, and it's no different now. I know that things are very are changed and, and we're all in a different place than we're used to being, but, but I'm so excited about what's coming up this week. And, and so I want to let you know kind of the schedule of what's happening. And I've also got a couple really cool announcements for you. So with Holy Week, usually we would gather on Monday, Thursday um, for a small interactive um, service. But, but instead of doing that here at the church this week, I want you to gather with us on Thursday night at 6 p.m., and, and I, I think this could be pretty cool. What, what I'd like to see happen is for all of us to gather in our own homes and to have dinner together. It'll be online. You'll, you'll see us having dinner. The staff will be having dinner at our own houses, and, and we're going to tell you the story of the Last Supper but then we want to take communion together. So Thursday night at 6 o'clock, I want you to be prepared to have dinner with us and be prepared to take communion at the end as we remember that time that Jesus gathered with his disciples. Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Then Friday night, this is super exciting. We are going to have, usually we would do things like a prayer walk. Well, well, with what's going on, obviously things have changed a little bit. And so we've got to social distance ourselves. But what we're going to do is Friday night here at the church from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., we are going to have a drive-through prayer service. So that means you drive up here, you get your family, whoever, you drive up here, you stay in your car, you keep your windows up, we'll have stuff to lead you through, and there will be stations that lead us to the cross. So Friday night, any time between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., I want to ask you to come join us and drive through the church property and pray and, and experience Good Friday together. Then Sunday, this is probably the thing I'm most excited for. You may have heard of some churches that are doing drive-in church. And Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, next Sunday, we are going to have drive-in church here at Westchester Church. And so we're going to have services at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. And we want you to drive up. Once again, you'll keep your windows up. You'll stay in your car. And you'll get to experience worship together in a parking lot. And it's going to be awesome. So the big thing with this is, if you want to join with us on Easter Sunday, and you want to do drive-in church, I know some of you won't be able to come. We're still going to stream it at those same times, 9, 30, and 11. <clears throat> You'll still be able to catch us online. 
But if you want to come be a part of Drive-In Church, what I want you to do is go to wcn.church, our website, and on the main page there, there's a place for you to sign up because we've got a limited amount of space. So we've got a 9.30 service and an 11 service. If you'll go to the website and sign up for your car to come be a part of Drive-In Church, and then we'll know how many are coming and we'll worship together next week. My last thing is this, next Sunday, usually the kids, as they come to church, they have their own service, and and that's kind of been interrupted a little bit, but next Sunday on Easter at 7 p.m., we are going to have a family worship service led by Pastor Emily, a special family Easter service, and then each Sunday after that, we'll have a kids' service that will come through in the evening. And so I want to ask your families to be a part of that and check that out. That'll be an awesome way to worship together with your kids. They come in our service and worship with us. This time, we're going to go in their service and worship with them. So that's next Sunday, 7 o'clock. But as I said, it's Palm Sunday today. You saw the video at the beginning of different people from our church saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hosanna. And this is the day that we typically look back and we see Jesus entering Jerusalem. So Jesus, we started this last series, the terms of surrender, and at the beginning of it, we saw the passage where it says, Jesus turned his sights to Jerusalem. He was on a journey. And and at this point in the journey, what we celebrate today is the moment that Jesus comes into Jerusalem in his final days. And so I read at the beginning of service from Matthew's account, but I want to read um, from Luke's account today. This is chapter 19 of Luke, and starting in verse 28. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying this colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. So Jesus is getting ready to make his entrance into Jerusalem. And he sends the disciples with the task to find his chariot, his his parade um, transportation. And I love this. He says, he says, go start untying this colt. And if anyone asks you what's going on, just say the Lord needs it. I'm not going to tell you to do this, but wouldn't it be awesome if that worked in real life? Like you go to the bank, like, hey, I'll take a thousand bucks. Why? Well, the Lord needs it. Just give it to me. Wouldn't it be cool if that worked? But Jesus says, go get this colt. This is my ride into Jerusalem. So, so he's going to make his entrance. I don't know if you've ever gone to a big thing. I don't know if you've gone to a high school reunion or, or, or maybe you've been at um, the entrance. One of my favorite parts of basketball games is to go at the beginning and see them do the big entrance where they turn the lights off and they shoot the fire up and the players come out and it's a big deal. This is Jesus' big entrance into Jerusalem. And he says, go get me the colt of a donkey for me to ride in. 
That's how he's going to make his grand entrance. Verse 35 says, they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd saw, said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus says in verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So, so we see this arrival of Jesus. Jesus is going to make his grand entrance, which isn't so grand. And he says, go get me a donkey, the colt of a donkey, and I'm going to ride into Jerusalem. And so he gets it and he's riding in. And it says that, that people start to spread their cloaks on the ground. And, and we see they wave palm branches and they start to shout, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so this is the big entrance of the king. And this would have been very normal at this time. Because any time a king or a ruler would come into a city, they would have a big entrance because they were a big deal, right? I, I know that I say this every year. I'm sorry. I love the movie Aladdin. And one of my favorite moments in the, movie of La in the movie Aladdin is when Prince Ali comes in, or Aladdin, when Prince Ali comes into the town to try to marry Princess Jasmine. And we see this string of events where prince after prince comes and they have these big parades and they've got animals and they've got great rides and people cheer. And, it's, and, and then we have the Prince Ali song and I would sing it, but... I'm already kind of losing my voice and I don't want to do that today. But, but that's what this grand entrance is supposed to look like. But, but Jesus comes in riding on a, the colt of a donkey. And, and it's not this grand moment. People lay their cloaks on the ground and people wave palm branches. There are people praising him. But it's not because of what, what he has put on a show for. It's because it says because of the miracles he has done. And so I find it interesting, this him riding in on a donkey may not be what the typical king would ride in. It may not be the typical entrance that they would see, but this is something that had been prophesied and planned for a long time. In fact, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, this is way back in the Old Testament it says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. And so we see Jesus' grand entrance is lowly and riding on a donkey. And it may not have been this huge parade. It may not have been all the pomp and circumstance. He, he didn't bring a bunch of crazy animals. He didn't do magic tricks. He didn't, he didn't make this grand entrance. But still, people started to praise him. Still, the king was coming. Still, Jesus was entering and people praised him.
And so it may not have been the Prince Ali moment, but the king has still come to Jerusalem. We see the palm branches. We hear people shout, Hosanna. They praise Jesus. But then we see in verse 39 this weird little conversation. And and what I want to get to today, there's two responses that we're going to have. The first response starts here. In verse 39, it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So, so people are praising God. The king has come. Hosanna, glory in the highest. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And this makes the Pharisees a little bit nervous. Because Jesus is a threat to what they do and who they are. They don't want Jesus to be praised. And so in verse 39, the Pharisees come and they say, Jesus, tell your people to be quiet. Rebuke them. And we see this change in in Jesus. He says in verse 40, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I, I think this is so interesting because throughout his ministry, over and over again, if you read back through the Gospels, Jesus says over and over again, he'll do a miracle and people will get all pumped up and Jesus will say, don't tell anyone about this. Don't make a big deal about this. And then he does another thing and people are excited and he says, don't tell anyone about this. And so at this point, Jesus enters Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey and people praise him and we see this change because the Pharisees say, calm those people down, quiet those people down and Jesus doesn't say, be quiet, don't tell people about this. Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Oh man, the truth is, It's time to praise Jesus. Jesus is the king. Jesus is worthy of our praise. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is the Jesus that was born of the Virgin Mary. This is Jesus that was baptized by John and affirmed by the Father who said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. This is the Jesus that was transfigured in front of the disciples. This is the Jesus that turned water into wine. This is the Jesus that walked on water. This is the Jesus that calmed the storm. This is the Jesus that healed the sick. This is the Jesus that made the blind to see. This is the Jesus that fed thousands. This is the Jesus that cast demons out. This is the Jesus that raised the dead to life. This is the Jesus that 2,000 plus years later, we are still worshiping because he is the king. This is the son of God. And today, Jesus is worthy of our praise. And so the first response we have today is to praise the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus. Today, right now, 
We should praise Jesus. I'll tell you what, if you were sitting here, I'd have you turn to each other and say, praise Jesus, but you're not sitting here. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to someone next to you if there's someone in your house, and I want you to say, praise the Lord. And if there's not someone next to you, I want you to turn to the cat or the dog, and I want you to say, praise the Lord. And if there's not a cat or a dog, I want you to turn to the pictures on the wall, and I want you to say, praise the Lord, because Jesus is king, and Jesus has come. And today, we should praise him. That's our first response. Today, we find ourselves in a similar place to those people in Jerusalem. And Jesus comes, and we should celebrate the coming of our king. I want you to put yourself there. I want to tell you something. There has never been another that is more worthy of your praise than Jesus. And the truth is, we, we love to praise people, don't we? We love to praise people. We love to cheer people on. We love to get excited. If, you're, if your baseball or football team wins a championship, people come out in the million. I know that you Cincinnati folks just don't understand this, but, but when your team wins, we love to praise them. We love to cheer for them. I'll never forget um, several years ago, I went with Robert and, we, and my dad, and we went down to Florida, and we went to some spring training games. And one of the fun things to do was to go around and try to get players' autographs, because it's spring training, it's a smaller deal, and the players are more accessible, and so, so it became this thing where you would see a player, and you'd say, oh, I'm going to go get his autograph. And, and that was all great. Like, that, that's awesome. It's fun to have autographs. But it got to the point where I started to, I started to realize that we would be in a crowd of 20 people that are all gathered around this one person and grown men would be shoving each other out of the way because we had to get this guy's signature on a piece of paper. And I thought, man, we're praising this guy way too much. This is a third string pitcher for the Reds. Like, what are we doing? We love to praise people. Uh, when I, I, I joked the other day in, in my video about going hoarse because I cheered too much for Shaquille O'Neal. I'm going to tell you, when Shaq was playing and he was in the championship, I remember times that when, when they would win games, I would jump out of my chair and I would run out of the house and I would cheer and I would get excited. Let me tell you something. There is nobody and nothing that deserves your praise today more than Jesus. Not any president, not any war hero, not Michael Jordan, not Shaquille O'Neal, not Tom Brady, not LeBron James, not Bill Gates, not Billy Graham, not Joel Osteen. Jesus today is worthy of our praise. This is the Son of God. This is our King. And so today we praise the Lord. We praise Jesus. But as we celebrate and as we praise God on this Palm Sunday, we also know the rest of this story. And this is where I'm getting to the second response. Today we should totally praise Jesus. But as we read the rest of the story and as you've heard the rest of the story, you've probably heard the rest of the story over and over again. The people that were standing there praising Jesus and shouting Hosanna and laying down their cloaks... They changed pretty quickly. As Jesus continued his journey 
to the cross, the people that were shouting and praising Jesus, all of a sudden, weren't praising him anymore. And we know that the people that praised him abandoned him because he wasn't what they thought he was going to be. See, we have this tendency to think that we know how we win and who we should follow and, and we put our hope in something, but then when that something doesn't turn out to be what we think it should be, what do we do? We change our minds. This happens in my house all the time. I try to get my kids into sports, so we'll be watching a football game and I try to tie them to it by saying, hey, who do you think's going to win this game? And every time the same thing happens. They pick the team they want to win. They pick the player they want to win. And then the second it starts to look like that team or player is not going to win, what do they do? They say, no, I don't want them. I want the other team. Because we all want to root for a winner, right? Nobody wants to root for a losing team, except maybe the cities of Detroit, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Am I, am I getting them? Nobody wants to root for the losing team. And so my kids have this thing where if they pick a team and they start losing, I'm not, I'm not going to be loyal to that team. I'm going to switch to the other team because I want to back the winner. And, and I'm glad that we grow out of this, right? And we don't continue to be this way. And I smile because let's just be honest. Some of you are Ohio State football fans. Yeah, I hear some, some clapping here. But your Duke basketball fans and your Cowboys NFL fans and, and L.A. Lakers basketball fans and Tiger Woods golf fans, and, and it, it cracks me up. I had a friend that would always do this. He was an Ohio State football fan, but then he was a UC basketball fan and, until UC wasn't good anymore, and then he be, all of a sudden became a North Carolina basketball fan. And then when they're not good anymore, we do this. And that's what the people did. They backed the team. They backed Jesus. They praised him. They shouted for him because they thought he was going to win the game the way they thought the game should be won. But the second that it didn't look like that was going to be the case, they changed their vote. They changed their team. And they started rooting against him. And ultimately, the same people that stood and praised Jesus were the ones that were shouting for Jesus to be crucified. Oh man, we are guilty of this. In verse 41, we see another response of Jesus. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And so the people praised him, and rightly so. 
but when he didn't turn out to be the kind of ruler that they were looking for, when he didn't deliver the political power and the political freedom and what they were looking for, they turned on him. And Jesus' response in verse 41 was, he wept. He wept. So he's approaching Jerusalem and he weeps. And I was thinking about this. The reason for his weeping is so important to me. Jesus knows where he's headed. He's known where he was heading all along. And as Jesus comes, he knows that he's headed to a cross. And if that were me, I would be crying because I knew I was going to the cross. Or he knows that these people are worshiping him, but he also knows they will turn on him and will be the ones to yell for him to crucify. And that has to hurt, right? And so I'm sure there would be some rejection and pain that would cause us to cry. Nobody likes rejection. That's not why Jesus is weeping. Jesus is weeping because he knows the people that are cheering him on and are going to turn on him are missing it. He knows that they're not going to have the peace that God offers because they don't accept him as their king and their Lord. He knows what's coming ahead. And so these are the tears of a loving and broken heart because Jesus knows what awaits these people. Listen, we, we've praised the Lord today. We've sang worship songs. We've, you saw the video, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I kind of wonder if Jesus would be weeping when he saw some of us praising him, knowing that maybe we're not going to continue to praise him. Maybe we're going to turn See, I have this thought that there are far too many, and I don't, I don't mean to be negative to people, but I think there are far too many Palm Sunday and Easter Christians. I think there are far too many people who love to praise Jesus when he's coming into town. They love to throw their cloaks down. They love to say, hallelujah, praise God. But when they leave Palm Sunday, they forget that there's more coming. They don't know what will ultimately bring them peace. And so I think today Jesus would weep for us because he knows the pain and destruction that result from turning our backs on God. And I know, I know this isn't all of you, but I know that some of you are probably what I would describe as Palm Sunday and Easter Christians. But you don't really know what will bring you peace. And, and that's what happens through Holy Week. Sure, we get peace from backing the right horse. We get peace from knowing that everything's going to work out perfectly. The problem is, if we're not following Jesus and surrendering to Jesus, we're not going to be there to celebrate. There's this famous sermon it's used a lot around Easter. It's from S.M. Lockridge, uh, a famous preacher. And you, if you've been around the church much, you've heard this line before. But his saying was this, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. 
And that idea is on Good Friday, there's this pain and heaviness because Jesus has died on the cross. And he says, it's Friday and it's bleak and it's difficult, but Sunday's coming. Resurrection is coming. I want to take that today and I want us to look at that in a little different way. I don't mean to be a downer, but I I don't want us to miss what Jesus is saying here. I think we need to look at this in a different way. See, I don't think we have a problem with it's Sunday's coming. I don't think we have a problem with praise. I don't think we have a problem saying, yeah, God, give me all the good stuff. But sometimes I think we forget what brought us peace. And that was that he came not to rule on a throne in Jerusalem. He came to be a sacrifice. He came to pay the price for, listen to this, my sin, your sin, our sin. And and if you remember the Terms of Surrender series that we did, and if you don't, that's okay. In Luke 9, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so we praise God, and we want to be on the winning team. And and it's Sunday, it's Palm Sunday. And the famous saying is, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. But today, I don't want us to miss this. It's Palm Sunday, but Friday's coming. And see, Jesus on his way into Jerusalem was not coming for fanfare. He wasn't coming for the throne. He was coming for the cross. And as we praise and celebrate the name of Jesus as king today, as we praise him for his power and might, it says that the people praised him because of the miracles he had seen. I find this hilarious. It says, for the miracles they had seen, not for the teachings, not for the, hey, anyone that wants to follow me will take up their cross and deny themselves. They praise him for the miracles. And as we celebrate and praise Jesus today, we can't miss where Jesus is headed this week. Because it's Palm Sunday and we are right to praise the Lord, but the second response that we have is to surrender everything we have and to live for Jesus. The band's gonna come up. Today our response is twofold. Number one, we should praise the Lord with everything we have, and I want you to do that as we sing. I want, you to, I want you to praise God for who he is. I want you to say, Lord, you're so good, you're so powerful, you do miracles, you're awesome. But I don't want us to miss. I don't want us to be the people that Jesus is weeping for, because the only way that we will have true peace The only way that we can really experience the resurrection and the hope of Jesus is to follow him into Holy Week. And so today, don't just praise Jesus with your words. Praise Jesus with a life fully surrendered and lived for the glory of God. Don't just praise him when he's entering Jerusalem. Don't just praise him when you think you're going to get what you want. Praise him because you know that your peace comes through his death. It is resurrection. So today, let's praise the Lord together. Not just for the miracles, 
Let's praise Jesus for his sacrifice, for the price that he pays for us. And let's commit ourselves, let's surrender ourselves to follow his lead. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for each person that's watching. And I don't want to take away from your glory and your honor. I don't in any mean mean to diminish who you are and what you've done, Lord. I just don't want us to miss the fact that it's easy to praise on Sunday. It's easy to lay our cloaks down when we think everything's going to work out the way we want it to. But I pray, Lord, that we will follow you every day. I pray as we walk into Holy Week, Lord, I pray that we will surrender ourselves to you, that we'll give everything so that we can have the peace that you came to bring. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.